This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Jenny. And I'm Seth. And we're having a Christmassy new releases recent arrival show. Sure. Happy holidays. <laughs> I, I like I like calling it Xmas. Xmas. Like they do on Futurama. Like they, they don't, an audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. I I like Festivus, but even that now has been co opted and consumerized to the point where <laughs> even that really doesn't work for me anymore, so I don't know, I'm looking for something new. And the young people won't know what you're talking about because they haven't seen those old episodes of Seinfeld, is my thinking. After a certain point. Yeah, I've never actually even I've never <laughs> no, actually seen the right? Seinfeld episodes. I've just it's it's gotten into the culture enough oh, that really? I kind of yeah. You haven't seen it? No, I oh. have not. Huh. Okay. Well, I saw it back when it aired like uh a decade ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> when I was your age. <laughs> yeah. We had a festivist poll and we liked it. Mm-hmm. So let's start with our, our handy list uh compiled by Jenny of the recent arrivals. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys just want to pick out what you're interested in, or do you want to go through the categories? Well, why don't we touch each each one and, and then mention whether we should, you know, so we're starting with steampunk. Sure. Well, we have okay. one book that's number two in a series, and we've talked about the series before, um, Romulus Buckle and the Engines of War. And I'm still kind of waiting to hear what our reviewers think about that one. So we don't mm-hmm. need to spend a lot of time on that one. Um, yeah. Rose D who's uh, Rose Davis. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So I, I was thinking about it while I was reading this list, and I was thinking pneumatic zeppelin. <laughs> that is crazy. So it gets blown out of a tube, and is that how it works? Well, pneumatic means just like air, uh, right? Yeah. So of course it's going to be a. I mean, it's going to be a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> Accompanying soundtrack. The only thing that made sense to me is to why this this you know it's like an adjective like like. Human being, uh, you know, it's like j- just double qualify it. Make sure you know. The only thing that could justify this being a good title, other than you know it being more steampunky when you say pneumatic, I guess, is is if they're they were they're in their universe. They have the um, non pneumatic uh, airships, which very fascinatingly exist. You guys know about non pneumatic airships? Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, so what you do, instead of filling your gas bag with uh, a lighter than air, um, air, lighter than air gas, which, you know, hydrogen, helium, right, or methane or something, or just hot air, what you do is you take two uh, spheres, or half spheres, hemispheres, made out of um, uh, metal, as light a metal as you can get, and then you pump out the air that's inside. And so you actually can have a lighter than air uh, object that has no air inside because it has a vacuum in it. The problem with this is whenever people manufacture them, they always collapse <laughs> because they have to be completely spherical and uh, air wants to leak in. And as soon as air leaks in, it, you know, it drops out of the sky like a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And the, the, this is not like it's... N- 
it's not like there's anybody actually flying these. Yeah. But they tried. They knew. They thought this. Because I, I thought that as a kid. I said, look, the, if there's anything that's light, right? You know, hydrogen's the lightest. There's got to be something that's lighter. Why not? Nothing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Blows your mind. But the problem is, is, you know, they don't work. Because they, because they, it just, the more pressure, you know, the, the, the more, um, space you're trying to evacuate, uh, the more strength you need because it's, it's just, it's a, it's a terrible, wonderful idea that doesn't work. And, it's so and cool. I'm just getting the meaning of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not much of a music fan, but I, I, I that's what I thought when I thought Led Zeppelin, but I think it's LED Zeppelin. Yeah. Zeppelin. Yeah. It is. So like the Zeppelin was led down the garden. Yeah. Path, that's, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I think that's the correct spelling. I don't know what the meaning is behind that, but I have a feeling that uh, Richard Ellis Preston Jr. Uh, did not put this much thought into naming it the pneumatic Zeppelin, though. Uh, uh, but I would like to hear what Rose Davis has to say. Mm-hmm. If I would be very pleased to hear that there was actually these metal, metal or structural, evacuated non-pneumatic zeppelins in this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so the only, the only <laughs> steampunk... I think we're done. <laughs> the, the only steampunk I've read, I think, is uh, Sherry Priest's uh, Bone Shaker, which she's... Uh, I think it's called the Clockwork Century series. Yeah, I've she's read published the first a lot one. more in. Um, mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed Bone Shaker. Um, but I, I'm just not... I guess I'm not really on board with the steampunk genre in general. And I think... My impression of it is that that a lot of people who are fans of steampunk get you know caught up in the minutia of of it, kind of like we were with the with the zeppelins or you know what kind mm. of goggles they're wearing or what kind of you know. I think it's fashion. I think it's a fashion thing. It, yeah, I think so too. Um, so yeah, it it kind of story kind of plays second fiddle in a lot of steampunk things I've I've seen to like you said fashion and. And the technology, which is great, but you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, the, the story person, the, the guys, the names, guys named Buckle. <laughs> That's not an accident. <laughs> Thank yeah. Anybody who's steampunking, they're gotta, they gotta have buckles everywhere. Right. Buckles and straps and hoses and all sorts of fun stuff. It's cool, but yeah, I'm not sure it works as a story. But I, I want, I want somebody to write the great steampunk book. Well, in in this series, it's kind of different because it's set in a post-apocalyptic California after an alien invasion. So I think the setting, at least for that one, is a little bit different than most traditional steampunk. Yeah, it's usually Victorian. Like, I guess the other one I've read, sort of incidentally steampunk, is uh, Gail Carriger's um, Soulless books, which is kind of a... Those Vampires are really fun. In Victorian London. Yeah, yeah. I she calls it T-Punk. Like T-Punk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like T-Punk. Those are cute. I like those. A parasol Protectorate. Yeah. It's, uh... mm-hmm. All right. What about Wizard of Oz? And I was reading a bit about that one, and it seems like it's, um, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem that steampunky. I mean, is that why they had to put Steampunk Adventure in that, in the title? Yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested in hearing what Tom thinks about this one. It's Wizard of Oz, a steampunk adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, this is from a publisher I hadn't heard of before, Ramblin' Prose. Hmm. 
it's a nice title. Uh, Ramblin' Pros, like Ramblin' Rose, but pros, I get it. Yeah. And I don't know how Oz figures into it either because it's actually using a different form of Oz, you know, not what we think of, but, you know, the the nickname for Australia. Australia, yeah. yeah. Outcast Zone, it says. You know, the, I think the the modern, even modern day culture of Australia is still influenced by their criminal roots. <laughs> if you... You know that they're they're very um, they like to buck authority sort of even when they are their own authority they still yeah they have to buck it yeah well then there's the uh, HBO series Oz which you know I've seen a grand total of maybe half an episode of but I hear it was great drama it was it was exact it was it was a strangely kind of um, male uh, almost all male. Soap opera, yeah. <laughs> Except where you know the it's you know it's not one guy's going to prison, the other guy's in the hospital. Yeah, they're all in prison and they're all in the hospital because they're all getting shipped <laughs> every few minutes and and uh, yeah and and someone's making a wife of someone else. <laughs> oh, oh man, it was a good show. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, this is read by Amanda C. Miller. I've not heard of her. Me either. I don't know S.D. Stewart, the author, either. So, did we get this as a solicitation? Mm-hmm. Somebody said we should we should definitely check this out. Yeah, I think it actually came from the reader. Oh, okay. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, might have been I, the know, author. Yeah, we've got um a reviewer Tom S. Who is Tom S. He's one of our reviewers. He does a lot of the Star Wars reviews that you've seen. Mm All right. Okay. Should be. Yeah, it it looks like we're doing pretty well for getting reviewers for everything. Yeah, finally have enough people. Good stuff. Thank you, reviewers. Mm Hmm. Thank you. Moving on. Yeah, sure. Science fiction. We just have a few titles on this one this time around. Um, Seal Team Thirteen by Evan Curie, read by Todd Habercorn. Mm Hmm. And uh, anyone want to say anything about that? Well, I would assume that the 13 means it's going to be, like, cursed. They, they're they like, instead of SEAL Team 6 where they go and kill, uh, you know, terrorists, it's they go and kill terrorist zombies or something. Yeah, it does say undead forces, so I'm oh, thinking yeah. zombies. Could be, uh, or Draculas or <laughs> whatever else there is that's undead, supernatural. Revenant, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. I mean, I think there there would be a pretty fun way to do it. Is is um, you guys probably have never done it, but um, I was I never did it either. But it's it was it's pretty cool. Is the Lovecraftian uh, sort of horror versus you know the more traditional Gothic horror monsters? Like instead of fighting uh, the Mummy or um, Dracula or you know that sort of thing. Um, Lovecraftian horror. The, the team, you know, goes out there ready to shoot everything, and then they all just get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> the series will be, you know, the same, maybe the same team, but they have to be reconstituted over and over again. And it's uh, the the game is of um, I'm talking about is called uh, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, it's a role playing game, and when you when you play it, um, you don't go in there planning to develop your character deeply over several <laughs> years. You go in there planning to lose uh, your sanity points and probably die. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite a reversal of the, you know, 
um, planning a giant campaign, you know, with a giant backstory for your character. Yeah. Because there's no point. <laughs> How do you win? You just survive you the just, longest? No, it's, it's just you have fun. You just sort of encounter the, the horror. You don't win in Lovecraft, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you could survive a particular thing, but that's because you weren't, you know, in the room when, when it all went down. Yeah. You were like out in the truck on the on the CB radio saying, what's going on in there? And then they're all describing how they're being eaten or turned into gelatinous slugs. Yeah. And, and you live to write about it from the insane ward you know, a couple of decades exactly. later. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, it could be something like that. Hmm. Could be. Could be interesting. Yeah, it could be. Because, yeah, I mean, haven't we seen Dracula and, and the zombies all done a thousand times before but maybe not with military <laughs> that, no, that even though with them like i think there was a, one of the wasn't uh, it was the third uh dawn of the dead movie uh, i guess it was day of the dead that was military versus zombies oh, yeah. Yeah. first one was just regular people the second one was like shoppers or something <laughs> and the third one was was the military but i guess world war z is um yeah, yeah. does have some That's, military mm-hmm yeah, I mean it's it's it, uh, it doesn't even say zombies. We don't know what's going on in here. Just we don't, something uh, supernatural. Supernatural. Just guessing. Yeah. So then we have Overdraft, the Orion exclusive by John Jackson Miller, read by Luke Daniels, also from Brilliance. This sounds kind of spacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the uh, financial uh, tone that it's that it's setting. You know, this guy kind of gets in financial hot water and kind of has to. Make good on everything. It also sounds a little bit like um, the one of the plots that's going on in the movie Aliens. You know the the you guys you know, both seen Aliens, nope. uh, James Cameron. Oh, really? Nope. Okay, Jenny, <laughs> great movie. Seth, no, I've not. Oh my God, you guys! I you know. Go I know. Um, well, I guess you can't go see it. You can just get it and watch it. Um, Homework. One of the amazing things about that movie, uh, someone was talking about it the other day, and I was, uh, you know, you're right. Every character has has some point to being there, other than, you know, just you know being a part of the plot, like to get picked off. Anyone who has a name, they do, they have their own agenda, they have their own plan, and you know, the the main characters, the uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the actress's name, but. Um, Ellen Sigourney Ripley. Weaver? Oh, no. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver's yeah. character, right? She's coming back from the sequel. Mm-hmm. And she is basically the Lovecraftian, uh, survivor of, of the first one, right? She's right. sort of had her sanity blasted, um, by, you know, a visit of, of aliens that, you know, ate everybody and, yeah, that traumatized her. Only her and the cat survive and nobody <laughs> believes her. But they're just going to take her along because, well, just in case, right? Because, you know, she might know something. Yeah. And they take her along. So that's her, her role. But all the other characters are there. They have their own motivation and they have their own arc. And one of them is a corporate executive who's going along on this sort of military investigation mission. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like super smarmy, uh, sort of, you know, you weaselly, tr- you can't trust him, but you kind of like him. Yeah. <laughs> and when he gets killed, Everybody's like, yay! Oh, but wait a second, everybody else is about to get killed, so yeah. you, you don't get to revel in his death. 
but you you are sort of pleased by it. And this sounds a little bit like that because we've got a squad of mercenaries um, who are you know defending the profits of a mm-hmm. of a of a financial hotshot from the 22nd century. It kind of sounds a little bit like that. But I guess we'll have to read the review to find out. Hmm. So we have quite a few titles under just science fiction. I just kind of grouped them all together because they're (laughs) a little bit far-reaching. This first one's really interesting to me. It's, I don't even know how you say it, Gamadin, Gamadin, Word of Honor. Mm -hmm. It's a young adult title by Tom Kirkbride. Kirkbride, adopted for audio, and it's done by Fullcast Audio. It's from Audio Comics. And uh, it sounds really fun. It says, This book introduces us to Southern California surfers Harlow, Riverstone, and Wiz, whose active heroism leads them on the adventure of a lifetime, the retrieval of Milawanda, an ancient Uh Gamadin spaceship, and the most dangerous weapon in the known galaxy. Whoa, dude. That sounds great. (laughs) I know. I imagine there's a lot of that. (laughs) It's going to be fun. And, you know, William DeFries, um, it sounds like he's he's involved in this. Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Uh, Co-directed, it says. Um, he's a. We're going to get him on as an audiobook narrator. I hope to talk to. Um, he was the reader for uh, Herland, and um, he does great voices like that. Like so, his his teenage sur- surfer dude will be awesome. It will. I agree. And really, really awesome. And uh, this does. You know, it sounds like um, like the Bill and Ted sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like sort of. Uh, Two guys who don't know what they're talking about. Look, it's Socrates. Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, I don't have a reviewer for this one yet, if you want it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a shot, sure. Sweet. I'm a big fan of audio drama. Mm-hmm. I, I, in fact, um, I, I listen to it every day. I don't know anyone else in the whole world other than, you know, maybe audio drama producers who listen to audio drama every day. I was thinking about that. I have a sort of insatiable need for audio drama. You're unique. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure there's others, but it's just I feel kind of lonely. Yeah, it needs to catch on. I yeah, I've um, we, after our podcast about podcasts, I I tried to listen to uh, Night Vale, and what know, did you think? I enjoyed it, but it, it just was I don't know. It didn't didn't quite um, captivate me. It wasn't quite as well, it's technically it's not audio drama, is what I say. It's so, an audio drama well, of one, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a story. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's it's some sort. It's something. It's not an audio book. It's not an audio drama. It's something. I mean, it's an audio drama of one person. Which yeah, I, I don't think that there's no sound effects. So it's it's it's. I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't hold. You know. Don't hold that up as the great standard of audio drama, even if some people think it is, because it, it's not like most audio drama. What you would recommended be? Blake 7 a long time ago, and I, I need to yeah. pick that up. I think Bl- I started Blake 7 audio dramas is... Fa- Basically, audio drama is television or movies without pictures. It has all the stuff that you would see, and you know, it has uh, scene changes, you know, uh, music, you know, just fisticuffs, um... You know, con- conversa- conversation. You, you hear windshield wipers. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's everything that you have in a in a TV show or a movie um, without any picture. But the picture does get created in your mind, so mm-hmm. it's fine. I mean, when it's done when it's done successfully, which is almost it, it's amazing. You you can really not screw it up that badly. 
I mean, you can make a bad story, but the the techniques for making the pictures appear in your mind are very right. well distributed, and people get them. I mean, it's great. So, yeah, I'll look forward to your review on this one. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll give it a shot, and if I hate it, I won't, <laughs> I won't yeah. say, oh, Mr. William DeFries, you screwed up, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we get him on, and I want him I wanted to like me. <laughs> but, yeah, if I do finish it, I will definitely review it. Visions of the Future, Star Wars, another Hand of Thrawn book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. um, I, I... Is it release? I don't, no, it can't be, right? Well, I think it's is, new in uh, audio. Well, uh, okay. I think there was an I, version before. Yeah, because I read the Timothy Zahn Thrawn books. Uh, yeah, this is 26 <laughs> hours, so... <laughs> Yeah, it was not that long. It was like two cassettes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is maybe three hours. So either this is a, a new one with with the Thrawn, or it's an old one that's just getting a full release, which makes me think whatever I was looking at before was super abridged. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, Mark Thompson is kind of their, um, their standard um, Star Wars reader. Wow, 26 hours. That's that whole, more than a whole day. I have to say, I, I don't know if I've read this one, but I read the um, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, Last Command, um, Timothy Zahn books way back in yeah. when they were released. And I, as far as I'm concerned, they're the only kind of Star Wars spinoffs that are really good. I mean, not that I've exhaustively read all the scores. Yeah, things. I I, I, th- I mean, I read all three of them, which is surprising, you know, because I don't do series very much. and. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It was it was pretty good, and I think what what it was was there there was Star Wars books before that, and there were Star Wars books after that. But that was like the they the publisher even knew this is going to be the one yeah. that make people like Star Wars again because a lot of it's not very well written because and mostly it's not well written because of the limitations. I think that you know you can't kill off any characters. Yeah. You you can't you know. You can't, you know, go back and talk about the stormtroopers during the actual, you know, explosion of the Death Star. You sort of have no place to go with with your stuff. So it, it is more like treading water. Yeah. And this yeah. this invented, you know, like a whole new sort of mythology for the characters to deal with. Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, I've been thinking about this since I saw this on the list of how artificially constrained the Star Wars universe is, because you know, in theory, it's this huge mythos that spans, you know, galaxies and galaxies, and there should be lots of ways you can go and directions you can go, but I think from a business level, the publisher is constrained it, like you said, in terms of killing off characters. I think um, R.I. Salvatore, in one of his Star Wars books, famously yeah. killed off Chewbacca, and that was a big, uh, mm-hmm. big thing, but, so that's one constraint. And then the other one, I think, is that all the ones that I've read um, never get past this um, Joseph Campbell um, hero's journey thing that George Lucas used in the movies, which was, you know, it was fantastic. It was great, but there yeah. are more mythology that's, that's tropes. We than, hadn't seen it before. Yeah. You know? We hadn't seen it, you know, recently. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely, you know, what they should do is get, you know, like go back to Greek mythology and find, you know, Jason and the Argonauts. I love an Oedipus sort of. Star Wars story. I think that'd be fantastic. That was, there you go. There you go. That'd I mean, Shakespeare's one. Star Wars, which uh, we mentioned you know, before, was Oedipus good. would really work. I mean, that would work as a Star Wars because it's got all the, uh, you know, it's got the dark side and, you know, getting drawn in accidentally and 
all that it stuff. It really would. Oh, man. Yeah, now my wheels are turning on that. <laughs> all right. Maybe you're going to write <laughs> maybe. it. Maybe. Um, I'm going to skip down a little to sure. When the World Shook by H. Ryder Haggard, read by Michael Page. I'm excited about yeah, I'm excited about this, this one comes from Dreamscape, which, you know, is one of our newer publishers to us. Um, I just thought the description was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. When three adventurers, Bastin, Bickley, and Arbuthnot, <laughs> are marooned <laughs> on a South Sea island, they discover an ancient crystal sepulcher. Inside are two Atlanteans who have been in a state of suspended animation for 250,000 years. One of the awakened sleepers, Lord Oro, is the last of the Sons of Wisdom, a superior race who relied on their advanced technology to subjugate the planet's lesser peoples. The other Atlantean is Oro's daughter, Yuva, heiress to the title of Queen of the Earth. Unimpressed with the state of the world in the early 20th century, Oro sets out to do what he's apparently done once before, use a colossal gyroscope to drown the planet and restart the course of human history. So you have a lot of stuff going on here. The Atlanta Atlantis thing, obviously, but it's also set mm-hmm. at the beginning of the 20th century, which is kind of an exciting time. So mm-hmm. it sounds like a good combination all around. Yeah, I also I think that the YVA character that might be pronounced Eva. Yeah, you get the right. yeah, that, <laughs> that after the the drowning of the Earth again, that one of these three dudes is going to be uh, her her new beau. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe even yeah. <laughs> And have you guys read any H. Ryder Haggard? I've Mm-mm. read a little. No. He's he's um he's well known for being like the adventure guy. Um, he wrote um uh, the Alan Quartermain character. Um, there was a movie in the eighties, I think, or maybe two in the seventies, uh, about Alan Quartermain, sort of African adventurer. And um, there's another one that is pretty cool called She, S H uh, E. Um, and she is a sort of a white, uh, white princess in Africa, somewhere deep in dark Africa, who is a, um, immortal, I guess. And she remains immortal, not by bathing in the blood of virgins, but (laughs) using like this fire that's inside the mountain. And all the people in the surrounding kingdom, they call her she who must be obeyed. Hmm. And. Um, the character from England who goes to investigate, uh, you know, is sort of following the trail of one of his ancestors who went down there. And, um, it's, it's, it might be that she, he is her son or great, 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 great grandson or something like that. Wow. And, um, it's pretty cool. It's, it's like a deep, dark African adventure, lots of, lots of old fashioned racism, um, <laughs> But mm-hmm. mostly focused on the adventure and less on the racism. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the racism is like very casual. But, um, it also reminds me that for years I watched, uh, and listened to an audiobook series, watched the TV show and listened to an audiobook series, uh, called Rumpel, uh, which is like a British, um, he's a lawyer, yeah. a barrister. You know this I've guy? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the author, but. Anyways, the character was always referring to his wife as she who must be obeyed. <laughs> and, and that was a reference back to this H. Ryder Haggard book. Hmm. Uh, she's, she's in charge. He just, he doesn't get, he doesn't get to choose. Um, so H. Ryder Haggard is fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah, he's not super deep. He's just fun. 
But he does come up with these sort of, you know, he's kind of like Edgar Rice Burroughs is what I would mm. say, sort of the English Edgar Rice yeah, Burroughs. Yeah, I can see that. And a little, uh, yeah, a little less um, uh, sort of more Tarzan-y than uh, Mars. Than Marzy, yeah. yeah. John Mortimer is the writer of uh, Rumpel. Yeah, John Mortimer, that's right. And the actor who played uh, Rumpel also did the audiobook narrations, uh, the TV show actor. So I got into the audiobooks and then I watched the TV show and it was a, it was a nice, because um, he tells his own story, right? So it's very good. How does that compare to like Inspector Morse or um, those sorts of Well, um, I like the the Rumpel books more than the 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 show. Mm-hmm. Um, the more, uh, Morse I never really got into. I mean, I, I saw that he has a Jaguar, but I, I didn't really... I'm not a huge mystery of the English style fan, you know, like the Agatha Christie style. I, I like the more um, gritty kind. Yeah. Somehow. That's just me. So I'm I, I'm excited about this one. I want to read in on on when the world shook because I, I love all these Dreamscape books. They they haven't put out a bad one yet. Yeah, that's neat. We'll have a few more titles from them farther down the list, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's it for sci-fi. So up mm-hmm. next we have, I kind of combined urban fantasy and paranormal romance because it's hard to draw the line between the two, just from descriptions. Really <laughs> sure is. So I'll just go through a few of these kind of quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Tempt Me Eternally by Gina Showalter, narrated by Justine Eyer, Eyre, from Simon & Schuster. Um Aaliyah Love is a shapeshifter with skin to skin contact. She can switch her identities. Um, so it sounds like, uh, let's see, I'll read the very end of the description. Brienne, a golden skinned commander known for his iron will, who is at once dangerous and soul shatteringly seductive, threatens her new life because for the first time she only wants to be herself. So I have a feeling this is part of a series. It's like a uh, rogue from the X-Men with, uh, with romance, yeah. yeah, I guess she had she had romance as well. Yeah. She it was it was interesting that character relationship. Who was the person she was always trying not to touch but always wanted to touch? I can't remember. Who was, it was it Wolverine? I can't remember. I think, I think so. it was. I think it was. Was it? I don't okay. know. <laughs> Whenever she touches someone, she can turn into them, right? And then uh, she also oh she takes their power. That's what it is. I'm thinking of a different person. Rogue's power was she could take their power and then they like go into a coma or something, right? Oh, that's right. Sounds right. Yeah, I'm thinking it's one of the mystique. That's the, it's one of the bad guys or bad girls, I guess. She can morph into you, yeah, or something. Well, and then farther down the list, the silvered by Tanya Huff, um, 21 hours long is also a new new tale of shape changers, soothsayers, Hmm. and a power-mad emperor. So uh, maybe shape changers and shapeshifters and the new vampire. Yeah. (laughs) They're in True Blood as well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Are you you watching True Blood? Not watching. I've read the first couple. I read probably the first three or four um, Charlene Harris books. Um, And I watched the first season of True Blood, and I enjoyed it. I just haven't kept up with it. Um, it's interesting because a werewolf is really a, a shapeshifter, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's somebody who can turn into a, a wolf, but they're on the show, and I guess in the books as well. I only read the first book, which I quite liked. Um, uh, 
the they make a distinction. You know, there's werewolves. Oh, and then there's also shapeshifters. Yeah. And shapeshifter turns into a dog or fox or I guess a horse or something. Um, but in old English, the word were, W-E-R-E, means man. man yeah. Uh, well, it's like yeah, a it's leak, cool. leak anthrope, uh, in, in the yeah. leak anthropos is a, you know, man. So yeah, it's all. Yeah. So like, you know, you say were dog. Yep. That's right. Yep. Man dog. Right. So what would Batman be? <laughs> were bat? The were bat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. I and mean, we could do, we're talking about a recasting tales. I mean, to do an old English Batman, you know, that just, I don't know, swooped off of uh, belfries and stuff. I don't know. It'd be neat. I think they've, I think they've pretty much exhausted every kind of, I think that story's been done because they have done, uh, every kind of Batman story because they've been doing it continuously since the 1940s. So it's just a matter of digging through the archives and finding it because I, I'm pretty sure they've done that. I, I remember there was like a medieval Batman and, um, they even did a character called Man Bat. <laughs> oh, wow. Yikes. And Man Bat was like, uh, he wasn't really a bad guy, but he was, you know, instead of, being a man with a Batman, co- a bat costume. This is a bat with a, who's in the shape of a man. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, he's, his wings are like, you know, made out of skin. Wow. Yeah. Shapeshifters. Mm hmm. Uh, the only thing that caught my interest on this, um, uh, urban fantasy list, and I don't know if it necessarily counts as urban fantasy, although I don't know where else you'd put it, is this, um, dangerous <laughs> woman anthology. Mm-hmm. With, uh, edited by George R. R. Martin and Gardner Dozois. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's, 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 because it's got women in it. Are you saying it's paranormal romance? <laughs> well, a lot of the authors. That's true. Are, it's, it's stories from their worlds that they've created, and a lot of those are those kinds of Jim worlds. Jim Butcher is urban fantasy, yeah. right? Jim Butcher, yeah. yeah, and Joe Abercrombie, Sherilyn Kenyon, Carrie Vaughn, Brendan Sanderson. Epic fantasy, though. Jordan, uh, I'd love to yeah, see that. Yeah, it's all that. over the place. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's. They just got names to make a book with the common common theme. But uh, I looked up uh, the Lawrence Block one. That one is a uh, straight up crime story, and Lawrence Block is a fabulous writer. So, especially of short stories, he doesn't do that many, but not anymore, anyways. But in the eighties and the seventies, he was cranking out basically a story a month, and it was. Almost all fabulously great little twist in the tail stories. Yeah, and this set of stories is no shabby small volume. It's thirty-two hours and fifty-nine minutes long. Oh, it looks fantastic! Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they've done kind of theme collections. They did Warriors, and um, I believe they did one called Rogues. Um, so they yeah, I think it started with Legends, right? That was the was that well, the Legends, first ones, or maybe was, that wasn't that a different. Company? It might have been. I don't know. Yeah, th- this is more recent. Last um, two or three years, they're kind of thematic. I think they're kind of going mm-hmm. through the Dungeons and Dragons like character types. So they did warriors. They did mm. rogues. I I could anticipate them doing one called wizards next or mm-hmm. you know something like that. But um, it's sense. always I think the the sales driver for these is um, George R. R. Martin always throws in a, a song of ice and fire novella that kind of drives yeah. sales. And there's one yeah, in there here. Is. And uh, I've read I've read some of the those the um, I, I much I much prefer his short stuff actually um, I can't I can't get through the big books but the uh, the Duncan Egg stories that were in I guess Legends it was or one of the subsequent ones those were turned into comics as well and they were really yeah those good. are fun mm-hmm. it's 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 very much more like a um, 
earlier version of of the world that he's made and and it's more like knights and uh joustings and stuff like that it's it's fun though it's uh fantasy era oh, and that's a good little transition over into our epic fantasy category um we have okay. four books there but they're all from the same series so um the series is called well of echoes by ian irvine and they're all read by grant cartwright and since they come from Belinda Audio, by way of Brilliance Audio, I think that that probably means Australian accents. Um, it usually mm. does. And these are all quite long. The first one's 24. They all seem to range between 24 and 30 hours long. Mm. <laughs> and um, I was trying to find a description of like an overall um, description of the series, but it's definitely about geomancy. I think the main character mm-hmm. is a geomancer. And so there's a lot of battles and um, fighting for humanity. What is geomancy? Um, you know, crystals. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. No, that makes sense. Seems like. Yeah. So Rob's going to take those on. Wow. That, that that's like a yeah. week. <laughs> that's a week of straight listening. Yeah. Wow. That's but he insane. gets through a lot of those um, epic fantasy titles. So. You must have a huge yeah. commute. <laughs> I was I I followed him on Twitter. He's not very um, active on Twitter. Uh, well, in so Goodreads, he really is. He's probably busy. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> busy listening and driving is. But yeah, I mean, exactly. I but I hadn't heard of this so, author before, and it sounds really interesting. I I what's you know it's very cool that Australia because they're so rebellious <laughs> from their from their criminal yeah. roots. They have they have a uh, a very strong book publishing industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jenny, uh, I, I don't know, Seth, where, did I tell you about this the other day? I think so. Maybe I didn't. Um, oh, well, maybe I did. There's a, a ABC, I was going to say Radio National, ABC TV show that's podcast, uh, video, um, that's about books. And I watched, um, one and a, one and a half episodes and, uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's like, um, it's like a book club where they do it on TV and they pick a bunch of books and talk about them and they get, you know, all sorts of different kinds of readers and, I guess, critics That's and stuff fantastic. who sit down and they talk about their books. It's yeah, fun. Yeah, and they have, like, different I, themes, really right? Be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't really need to have video as far as sure. I'm concerned because it's just a bunch of people sitting around mm-hmm. talking about books, which, hey, that reminds me mm. of something. I don't know what... Hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, it's good. And you can definitely... Uh, Check it out if you C-SPAN want. C-SPAN here in the U.S. used to have, and I don't know because I haven't owned a TV for a couple of years, they used to have something called Book TV on the weekends where you know, they would get authors, they'd go to the L.A. Times Festival of Books, or they'd go to different things and, and actually um, televise um, speeches and interviews with authors, and it was it was really neat. And I don't know if that's still around. Isn't it insane that there isn't more of that? I mean, there's re- Reading Rainbow, and the occasional thing, There's I guess NPR has some stuff about books, but... With all the television channels, how many of them are really about books? Zero? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Didn't they take Reading Rainbow off? Isn't it done? I, I, I think... Uh, LeVar right. Burton, at least last I heard, I haven't heard an update on this, but he's been trying to bring it back as a as an iPad app or you know, oh, right. tablet app. Um, so I know he's been really involved in that. I guess that's a passion project for him. He was the first person I ever fell in love with because of reading. <laughs> when I was <Aww>. little. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I identified with 
Jordy LaForge in the next generation, you know, myself being legally blind, and, you know, it's like, oh, cool, the blind navigator. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get to see much of it other than a little clips here and there, because I don't really watch TV, but um, I did I did appreciate that there was a show about books, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Well, I guess we can move into our next section then, since we're out of geomancy. Yep, we have a few dystopian or utopian Yay, titles. Utopia. <laughs> oh, boo, utopia. Boo. Well, we don't need to really talk much about Herland, because if you've been a devoted listener to our podcast, you will already have heard our read-along discussion. <laughs> no, no. I, oh, yeah, I guess they have. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, this is, this is the future. Yes, they will have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Herland. Good book. How do we get rid of those uh, review, not review copies, those giveaway stay tuned. copies? Stay exactly. tuned. All right. Stay yeah. tuned. All we right. do. Yeah. Please pay attention because we have some copies to give away. Read by the Good fantastic stuff. William Dufresne. So. Yes. Oh, he is, I, I think he was pretty good. He was great for this. Yeah, it was perfect for him. He's, he's got he's to gotta do this task of telling the whole story, but also giving you a lot of women. Yeah. <laughs> And he's great at being a woman. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but he I was. think his woman is pretty pretty womanly. Yeah, and our other two titles are from Dreamscape Audiobooks. And the Rudyard Kipling one makes me laugh, Jesse, because you're always talking about how some people's utopia is another person's mm-hmm. dystopia. And in the description of the book, it has utopian in quotation marks, as if it's not mm-hmm. really utopian. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's called With the Night Mail. And also comes with And As Easy as ABC, which I imagine must be a short story or something. I think it's a poem, oh, okay. actually. I'm not sure about that, but I think it's a and poem. My memory vaguely tells the me The description that. isn't long, but neither is the audiobook. It's about two and a half hours. Um, mm-hmm. So it says, Commerce is king and democracy is abolished in a quote-unquote utopian future. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think there's an airship on the cover. Mm. I think. Um so I've I'm not read that. I've read a little bit of Rudyard Kipling, and uh, his, his poetry is really interesting. He's a very con, conflicty guy. You can't quite because he seems like, you know, he seems kind of racist, like a lot of the people back then. But on the other hand, he has sort of anti-racist poems and such too. You guys probably know about the character Gunga Din. You guys heard of this yeah, character? Sure There's a movie. It's based on a uh, poem by him, and the the character in the movie and in the in the in the poem is a he's a water carrier. He's like a local person hired to carry the water for the and you know this phrase to carry the water for is I think it all goes back to this poem. Um, have you guys heard of that phrase? I have, and I've also heard of Gungadin as kind of just used as as kind of a hero as a heroic um, figure. So you know that's entered, I think. Yeah, and he's a very strange kind of heroic figure because he's not a soldier. He's he's like he's like the the mm-hmm. servant of the soldiers, and the the line goes, "You're a better man than I am, Gungadin." Yeah. But we're not hundred percent sure that it's not ironic, and at least until the end. Um, because of his, you know, the Rudyard Kipling's famous sort of superiority when it comes to, uh, non, non-white people, non-English people. And in the movie, uh, with, uh, Clark Gable, I think, um, he's not playing Gunga Dan, but, 
<laughs> um, he's the star. Uh, it it is clear that Gunga Din is kind of a heroic character. He's kind of a figure of of fun. Like they kind of make fun of him, and that's that's um, that's how it is in the poem too. They sort of say, uh, you know, we've we've beat you, we've laughed yeah. at you, and you know, at the end, you're a better man than I, and. It's kind of like a self hatred of the race, right? It's fascinating. It's so interesting, yeah. The um, that whole nineteenth century, late nineteenth, earliest twentieth century dynamic of the, you know, there's starting to be an awareness of racism, and yet as a society, we can't quite stop being racist. So yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. really. And also, I mean, another one that's related to that is uh, the white man's burden. That has another poem by by Kipling. But this this idea of carrying water, so it's like you you are a servant of someone else. You'll do whatever they right. say. How is there? How is that like a superior position? It, it, the way we use it today is is it's an insult that mm-hmm. right? you have to carry water for the Democratic Party because um, you're a Democrat right. is the idea. Um, it's like you have no independent thought. You have no independent uh, choice. You have to do it, and that's why you're doing it. It's a very strong insult, I would say, but um, it's it's a very fascinating tension between these two weird things. So, so uh, Kipling's real smart. Yeah, so I'm just looking um, here on Easy as ABC, and apparently it's a short story that takes place 65 years after um, the Nightmare. And uh, oh. ABC stands for Aerial Board of Control in this context. Right. <laughs> and there we get the airships. Definitely airships. I'm pretty sure there's one on the cover. Um, Gildart Jackson, never heard of this no. narrator, but you know all of the ones I've I've heard from from uh, from Dreamscape have been good. All the narrators. are these pneumatic airships? <laughs> well, the one on the cover, um, it looked like a Zeppelin, traditional Zeppelin, right, as opposed to uh, a Led Zeppelin. Mm. <laughs> L-E-A-D. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, next one from Dreamscape, The Poison Belt. Yep, by Arthur Conan Doyle. I, 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 I think this might be a read-along at some point. And the reason, um, we haven't done an Arthur Conan Doyle, I don't think. Um, this is a disaster book, Jenny. I, I I know we're we're gonna stop doing disaster end of the world books at the end of the. It has year, been our theme accidentally. <laughs> I know, but we love it so, and um, this is an end of the world one, very similar to this one. I think is um, uh, the Purple Cloud, which I think is also from Dreamscape, and uh, that's by M. P. Shield, mm. another super racist guy, um, and it's. Uh, it's like the the earth is poisoned to death, I think. Yeah. But um, this is also kind of a sequel, which is kind of weird. To that? So Somehow? Or? No, to, um, to The Lost World, which is uh, the other big uh, Arthur Conan Doyle book, which you, you guys know that's the dinosaur one. The one right? they made yeah. the, the animated film out of? Isn't it mm. animated? <laughs> I can't get my dinosaur movies straight. Well, the second Jurassic Park had the subtitle uh, Lost World. Yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it comes from uh, the South American plateau, m- kind of similar to Herland, you know, sort of a lost hmm. world. Um, 
except instead of finding uh, women there, they find uh, dinosaurs there. They, Professor Challenger and a team of uh, people go to South America and discover a lost world of dinosaurs on mm. uh, a plateau in South Is America. Somebody's named Professor Challenger. Cool. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah, he sounds like he's from a steampunk yeah. book, doesn't he? He's steampunk before he was. He was the real steampunk before the punks, or the modern punks came mm. out. <laughs> um. So uh, this is kind of a sequel to that. And, you know, he Doyle's most famous for doing sequels to his Sherlock Holmes characters mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that. But I guess he did a couple of ones that are not uh, Sherlock Holmes that are uh, series. And this is one of them. But it's an independent book. So maybe we look at The Lost World first before we go traipsing into the poison belt. Mm-hmm. All right, well, the last book that really fits in our categories um, is one that you ended up requesting, Seth. So do you want to talk about it? Yeah, so um, David Weber is kind of known for um, for his space opera um, Honor Harrington books. And I'm not, maybe one of you two are familiar with Eric Flint's previous work. But anyway, this is sort of a, um, a time travel book where some modern characters get, it's a sequel to... Uh, um, 1633, <laughs> where some um, some folks get sent back in time to um, the kind of Thirty Years' War era, where um, Swedish General Gustavus Adolphus is is kind of um, waging war against a confederated uh, European alliance, and so it's, it's just this really kind of interesting. You know, the, the interesting thing about time travel books is that that you get to see the past through the lens, at least when they're done well, you see the past through the lens of, you know, modern, modern eyes and, and modern prejudices. And it's sort of more, I mean, arguably any historical fiction is that anyway, right? I mean, it's, it's a modern mm-hmm. person's take, but at, at least with time travel books, they're a little bit more transparent of that, or rather they're, you know, they, they introduce a plot. Um, device to explain why this um, long ago time is is being described in in modern terms. So you know, I, I haven't gotten too far into this, but it, it seems really it's very epic and it's I forget how many hours it is. But it's, it's military SF. It is, well. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's definitely military. I mean, uh, David Weber I think was in the Navy. I can't remember, um, but he definitely has a military background. Hmm. And uh, what, you're listening to the audiobook. George Goodall's a great narrator. How does he handle this? Yeah, he's oh, great. great. I, mean, I, I haven't heard him do anything uh, anything badly yet. <laughs> no, he's great. I, I've, I I heard him do a bad book, but I, that was uh, it was my own fault. I I shouldn't have picked up a book about a cat mystery with a cat solving cat. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know if you can save that one. Lillian <laughs> Jackson Brown. No, that was a mistake, but. Yeah, normally he's fantastic. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we haven't heard, had a lot from uh, recorded books, so that that'll be yeah. Be they usually um, lately they've been sending me their list, and I've been cycling through the reviewers because they only want to give us one review copy every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And lately they just haven't had a lot of titles on the kind of speculative fiction yeah. side. They they do a lot of other things too. So yeah, they're not they're not heavy into that 
they never have really been, but uh, when they do, they tend to get pretty good. Yeah, books. and stuff that I don't think we would have seen otherwise. So it's nice. I think yeah. you're right. So that's yeah. kind of like the other books I have on the list are just things that came in from Penguin that are more just general. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we need to go through them unless. Well, the only one, the only one I spotted that uh, I'm, I'd be curious about at least reading a review of before I mm-hmm. read it, um, it would be the Johnny Ive book. Um, oh yeah. I'm, I'm an Apple user. I don't, I don't, I'm not a proud Apple user. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit their products are well designed. Yes, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, Johnny Ive's an interesting character. I don't know if, uh, if you've never watched an Apple keynote or seen one of their little. Uh, video clips. He's the sort of unassuming bald. He's the guy in the turtleneck. Does that help? <laughs> Not with Apple. No, no. He's the unassuming um, bald English chap who's like, in the next iPhone, I think you're right. we didn't just want to make a better iPhone. We wanted to reinvent the, what everyone's concept of the iPhone would be. So, yeah, it's dinner. <laughs> it's been dinner. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's sort of the design genius. I mean, you could make an argument that he was as influential as. Steve Jobs in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's why this book exists because they saw how how hugely successful the the Steve Jobs book was, and um, and people you know everybody's got Apple products now. Even people who don't want Apple products, <laughs> they have them <laughs> because they're just so ubiquitously you know taken. It's like they're from the future, right? I you you pick up an Apple device and you say, huh. And you compare it to some other product that's on, you know, from the same, you know, competitor. And they're just, oh, yeah, that's that looks like this is from today. And, and this one here, this looks like it's from three or four years from now. It just has sort of better integration of things. Um, but the besides being about Johnny Ive and maybe about the design of stuff, which is kind of interesting, it's also read by Simon yeah. Vance, which I think makes it even more interesting as a possible listen. Because he's just yeah. great. And, you know, Simon Vance has an English accent, so he can do the Johnny Ive sort of story maybe a little more effectively because of that. Yeah, I, I like that, um, too. That looks fun. I'm not, I'm not sure any of the other ones are desperately calling out to me like that yeah. one was. Uh, but the thing is, is there's some good narrators, and with more details like Rasputin Shadow, sounds like a good mm. title. And Richard Perrone, good narrator. Mm. So if I dig in deeper to some of these, I might I might find some other ones that are are kind of cool. But I think I think we did pretty yeah, well so. on the recent yeah. arrivals. Yeah, and right? there's a a few things listed in Downpour and Audible that I thought was worth mentioning. Um, I guess I'll start with Downpour. I think these are actually in Audible too. But I noticed that um, the first two books by Liesel Schwartz have been made into audiobooks. I read these as galleys in print. Um, and really, really enjoyed them. One is called A Clockwork Heart, and one is A Conspiracy of Alchemists, which I believe is the first one I'm clicking on to see. And I always say I don't like paranormal ro- or paranormal romance or urban fantasy, and I say I don't like steampunk, and these are kind of all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> and I still like Beautiful them. Cover. I don't know. Um, so the main character is Elle Chance, and she's an airship pilot. So it kind of turns it on its ear a little bit because it's a a female character who is the pilot and she's very strong and she, you know, she's not being saved by a man. Tiny, (laughs) tiny hats. Yeah. And there's monsters and she goes to a lot of different countries, which is nice. Like she flies all over Europe 
pursuing things, and uh, I just thought they're they're light read, but I really enjoyed them a lot. That's neat. Hmm. So there's at least three books out. Is that um, right? I've only seen two so far, okay. but it's so Conspiracy of Alchemists is it the is. first. It's from the Chronicles of Light and Shadow series. Oh. And they're all pretty very it's very very new in the last year or so. Paris and then London, it looks like. The first book's Paris and the second one's London. Well, she goes back and forth. She even goes to the Czech Republic a little bit, so... Oh. She also likes medieval things. Pirates, zombies, space <laughs> operas, and all subjects in between. That's this the is uh, the bio of yeah. Lena. <laughs> yeah, so those are those are good Sounds things. Sounds great. Maybe, 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 this is, maybe this is the exception to the rule that there aren't really any good steampunk books. Well, it's kind of like how I feel about the, the Gail Carriger books. I would tell you on paper I didn't like any of the things that are in them, but then I really enjoy those. So yeah. I think yeah. sometimes if you just you know, have the right combination, it, it can still be really entertaining. And it's right. like what you were saying about an earlier book. It's not like it goes that deep, but it's still very entertaining. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's cool. Um, anyone else have anything from... Downpour that you the saw? Fantasy, the fantasy on Downpour? No. Well, they have Dangerous Women, of yes. course. Which, it, If I was going to get it, uh, that'd be the way or, a place I get it. Downpour doesn't have mm-hmm. DRM, which makes things a little bit better. Always. Um, there's a wa- Waterlog Holiday Collection, which I don't know what that is, but I'm going to click on it. It looks like it's multiple audiobooks all packaged together. Um, wow. Okay. So it's got The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry, um, Pedro's Fables, uh, Aesop's Fables. So it looks like sort of a collection of Christmassy, um, Christmassy public domain stories. And it's five and a half hours long. Oh, it's audio drama, audio theater, it says. Aha, this might be very interesting. Because I am a big fan of audio drama. I don't know if you guys know that. I think I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. I I listen to it every day. (laughs) This is made for you. (laughs) I think that's pretty good. Public domain and audio drama. Yeah, it's it's two of your favorite things. It is. It is. I love (laughs) that. Um, And I've I've been listening very slowly to the War of the Worlds, uh, Kevin J. Anderson collection of short stories, but I haven't gotten much farther in because of all the long audio books we've been doing, but that's on there as well. And that, that's a relatively new release from brilliance. Any other fantasy ones on there? Seth? No, I've been looking through and I haven't seen anything that's um, just jumped out and grabbed me. Well, let's talk science fiction then. Um, I noticed that they've got a bunch of new science fiction um, releases. It looks like of the Heinleins. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Downpour used to be called uh, Blackstone, I guess, or I guess Blackstone's still around, but Downpour is their their portal. Yeah. And um, this uh, new uh, covers, anyways, for these are great. Uh, I mean, if you want good listening, Heinlein's a great way to go. There's a new Citizen of the Galaxy, read by Grover Gardner. There is... Um, Puppet Masters is... Up at Masters. And I was oh, reading the description, and it said the Earth is being invaded by slug-like aliens. Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really good story, and it's, it's fast-moving. They made a movie out of this, actually. Um, not a fantastic movie, but I don't know why people hate it so much, because it's not terrible. It's just it's got Donald Sutherland in it, 
he plays the old man. Heinlein's always got an old man character. And the cover's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of abstract, but it, it's not too bad. But yeah, I, I highly recommend the, the Puppet Masters because it's, it's an alien invasion of the Earth story, sort of like communism take on the aliens are communists, right? Because sure. what happens is they, they, they're small and they, or do you remember that Star Trek episode, the original Star Trek episode where the pancakes attack? <laughs> no, I've never seen that. Uh, basically, there's these pancakes that go on to people and then they, infect them and sort of take them over. It's kind of like that. Well, anyways, uh, instead of pancakes, these are like little sort of squidgy triangle shaped aliens. And what they do is they, they stick onto you and then they crawl under your clothes between your shoulder blades and put a, like a little, I don't know, pseudopod up into your spine and basically can treat you like a puppet. They know everything, you know, they can control you. And um, when you've been taken over, mm-hmm. uh, you you start you know doing their agenda. And what's cool is um, this is like very insidious, and it's taking over. It starts in Des Moines, I think, and it you know like a, a spaceship crashes um, in Des Moines, and then the you know the team of smart people run by sort of a Heinlein esque guy sends a uh, uh, his agents to investigate, and it's kind of like a Mulder and Scully thing at the mm-hmm. beginning. Except um, the the team might be brother and sister, or might not be. So you know, Heinlein's got sort of this weird sex thing going <laughs> on. <laughs> um, and the and the actually their boss might be their dad, <laughs> which is kind of also Heinleinian, creepy, weird, yeah. but interesting. And uh, they go and investigate, and the the aircraft or the spacecraft that crashed. Um, some people say that it was, you know, it was a real spaceship. But when they go and and look at the the crashing ground, right? There's a tour of these two boys are selling tours to a spaceship that they quote unquote found. But when they look at it, they they say, oh, this is obviously made out of you know cardboard and and uh, <laughs> you know something they built in their backyard. But um, a lot of people are going on the tour. They go on the tour and, well, it is it is a fake spaceship, but there's a real spaceship hidden behind it or in wow. it. And and when you go through, you get a rider coming out. So it, it's like they're infecting everyone. So. And it, it's super paranoia. Um, and, you know, the cool solution, of course, this is the Heinleinian solution to all problems. Everybody has to get naked. <laughs> Because then you can see whether you're being ridden by an alien or not. It's a fun, fun story. And it's unusual because it's set in sort of a almost contemporary Mm -hmm. Earth. Almost all his stuff is set in the far future. But I'm a big fan of this book. And and you can check out the movie, too. It looks like they have a short story collection from Connie Willis. I don't know if either of you have read any Connie Willis. Mm-hmm. I um I picked up Doomsday Book, um, which she's got a lot of fun kind of time travel um books and you know, I figured out Doomsday Book looks great because it's um time travel back into the Middle Ages, um uh, which is kind of my mm-hmm. my um academic area of interest and so I figured out oh, you can't go wrong. Uh but I just the plot kind of plotted along. Oh it's it's very slow. Uh, it's uh, it's, it's good, but there's a lot of repetition yeah. going on. And yeah, 
but she she's written she's she's a good writer. Uh, but she does have this. She's obsessed with World War Two, yeah. and she's obsessed with time travel. Um, so if you're not into uh, World War Two, you know the details about what what people do while they're back in time in World War Two. Um, which is ringing bells, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> she just loves English history. Well, and um, the community sure loves her. If she's nominated yeah, for yeah. an award, it's like people shouldn't even bother. I mean, because she'll always win it's, every yeah. time. It's true. Um, but, you know, the one that I, I quite liked also was um, To Say Nothing of the Dog. Um, it was good. Um, it has the same sort of problems that a lot of the time travel novels that she writes has, which is it's, it's got a lot of repetition and it's too long. Um, but it's fun and it's a time travel to sort of an Edwardian period. Uh, they're on vacation because they've just come back from a world war two trip <laughs> and they're all traumatized by all the, the bombing. So they go back to nice Edwardian and it, it's, uh, it's title comes from a book that was in another Heinlein book uh, which is Three Men in a Boat by Jerome K. Jerome, which is a sort of a comedy of, uh, three guys on vacation in, you know, rural England. And, uh, it's fun. Uh, the, that book's fun. The, uh, Connie Bullis book is fun. And the Heinlein book that gets mentioned, that mentions it, which is, uh, Half Space Suit Will Travel. All of those are fun. And you could all, you could start with Heinlein. You could start with, uh, the Jerome K. Jerome, or you could start with Connie Bullis. And they're all, fun and they're all completely unrelated to each other except they're all tied together by this um love of i guess jerome k jerome well i am i haven't read the earlier stuff i've always meant to go back and read them i've read the blackout all clear pairing Mm -hmm. that was a lot more recent and then i also it looks like the audio version you're talking about seth is the same as the print the best stories of connie willis or whatever i actually read through those I didn't find as many there that I liked. I liked her longer fiction better personally. But uh, the nice thing about that set is um, that she explains why she picked each one, like what it Mm -hmm. means to her or what the backstory is, which I liked. I liked reading that part of it a lot. I love that. I I think there's a lot of missed opportunity in audiobooks for authors to do that and go beyond behind the scenes. Um, Audio version of great Gatsby that I listened to and I'll, I'll find it for the show notes but uh, um, it was the first time I had read it and I was getting to about like uh, there was still an hour left of the book and it felt very climaxy and I was like oh, what's going on here but then it, it they um, narrated a bunch of Fitzgerald's letters after the book and you know his writing mm. process and um, communication wow. with Willa nice. Gather about the book and I, I love stuff like that and I, I wish more yeah, publishers would you know, take advantage of the, the audio medium to, to do things like that. Yeah, sounds, sounds great. Yeah. Did you uh, write a review of that? I did not. Uh, I didn't because I mostly didn't think it was SFFE enough to to review. Well, but yeah, I don't okay. Write. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would th- I would I want to read it. So yeah, I I, I was thinking about um, that book. Is it's it's pretty much in the public domain so almost anybody can make a version so you might as well um you might i think it is actually in the public domain in the states and in there Canada. are tons of versions yeah yeah and i mean it's it was so hot i guess because that movie mm-hmm. recently but um it's it's a book i've never read that i kind of think i should yeah, read. yeah i know what you mean yeah you know? absolutely 
We could do a whole podcast about that at some point. It <laughs> exactly. has one of the best ending lines of any book ever, and it's short, it so you should definitely read it. Yeah, I mean, Eric Eric was talking about it, right? At one point, he was talking about how uh, it's got all this symbolism in it, and it's it's kind of cool. That makes me think it's good. So, um, are we are we done on down for? Are we so. heading to Audible? Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to talk about in Audible is just kind of made me laugh. It looks like they're translating George R. R. Martin into a bunch of languages, which I would have expected. Um, but they're also doing them in audio. So now you can download in Storm of Sphere. <laughs> yes, in Storm of Sphere. And at the bottom it, it sounds says, like it's even more fun. Please note, this audiobook is in Danish. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But it would be so great in Danish. It's I like the perfect the, uh, language for a fantasy novel. <laughs> Yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, probably be. I'm yeah. waiting for the audiobook versions of. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever come across these, but there's a um, Harius Potter at Lapis Philosophy, and there's there's Latin <laughs> translations of the uh, Harry Potter books. And Latin, yes, yes wow. they actually exist. How did they do the spells? Do they go into English? Uh, <laughs> you can call the yeah, you know, I Latin. don't know how you kind of keep uh, keep a mystical um, feeling about the spells, but yeah, and it was it was great. I think there's there might also be a Hobbit. In Latin, I know there's Winnie Ile Pooh, but you know you'd be surprised. There are um, several, I guess, classicists out there who wanted to translate some stuff, and then I I can read some Latin, so I, I had fun with those. But it probably wouldn't work in audio. I don't think I I could understand spoken Latin. Where, where did you learn Latin? Did you learn it? Oh, uh, school, school, yeah, kind of here and there. Lucky, lucky. So they they I'm looking scrolling through, and I see a lot of. Uh, girls with tattoos or places to put tattoos. <laughs> a lot of angels, <laughs> vampires, yeah, a few werewolves. Lots of series. I mean, people must oh, really, God. really enjoy their series because that seems to be a focus. Yeah. It seems. To I didn't be. really see a lot that really stood out to me, honestly, this time around. Well, there's one here that doesn't look like it's a series, but I'll just see it here. It says, Call Down the Stars. It's um, maybe four pages down on the science fiction home. It says contemporary, but um, it was in the science fiction section. I'll read the description here. It's getting good reviews. Um, In the icy land of prehistoric Alaska, two heroic storytellers bring to life the final chapter of their ancestors. The star-crossed lovers, Chuck Liuks and Aquam Dax, a handsome young tribal warrior and sage, Yikas, travel ha, has traveled across the sea to hear the stories of the whale hunter and the sea hunter peoples. Around the fire, Quimalix, a beguiling and beautiful storyteller, barely old enough to be a wife, catches the eye of Yikas, and so begins their flirtation through storytelling, which brings to vivid life tales of the Near River and the Cousin River tribes. The fate of lovers, Chakalix, Chakulix and Aquamdax and their wicked nemesis Kos are revealed as Yekas and Quamalix weave together tales from their ancestors' past and the tales from their own lives. Call Down the Stars is the final book in the Storyteller trilogy. (laughs) Uh, They didn't have that in the beginning, but uh, it doesn't sound terrible. I like storytelling uh, that's storytelling. Yeah. About storytelling. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, metafiction kind of. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, this author's got six books on Audible. So, Cry the Wind. 
Um, they're, they're they're not shown as being a part of the series though. Song of the Song of the River. It's, it's um, prehistorical or prehistoric romance they call it in in my science fiction uh, books about what genres are in science fiction. And I'm a big fan of those, like the Planet of the Cave Bear. I guess is the most famous one from the 80s. Oh right. But there's a lot of them, and it's it's pretty cool actually, because you get all the stuff that's sciency, but you also get um, sort of a world that isn't ours, yeah. but it's Earth, but it's not exactly mm-hmm. ours. And the monsters are real, but they're not real. You know, like uh, saber tooth tiger, real, <laughs> but not real. Like you're gonna go eat, get eaten by one right now, right? It was real. We haven't, I don't think we've ever done a, a prehistorical, and I, I've wanted to do one. Yeah, and I've read some of the Edward Rutherford books, too, that are similar. One, My favorite one is Serum, and it follows like the area where Stonehenge is. Oh, cool. From prehistoric huh. time through the current. I've heard of that, I think. Yeah, I've heard the And title. who's the other author that does this? James Mishner? I think he awesome. does the history of a place. Yeah, East of Eden? Is that the, no, that's is that the one? Oh, no, that's uh, Harry Harrison. Mm. Yeah, West, West of Eden. Because East of Eden would be Steinbeck. <laughs> yeah, I think Scott's a um, big fan mm-hmm. of that. Uh, Harry Harrison. Yeah, Mitchner goes back into, like, I read The Source, which is all about um, Israel, and it starts, I think, in, in 9000 BC when people are kind of just kind of getting around the idea of building building permanent structures and that sort of thing. Yeah, those are really interesting. Or we could go back to, um, oh, I'm going to forget the title, Jesse, the author we read that Looked at the Earth. <laughs> mm, oh, um, you mean uh, Olaf yeah? Stapleton? We could go back and read the Star I'm, whatever that was supposed to be Star Maker. Yeah. yeah, that would be really prehistoric. And one about the dog. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's something, but it's not. No, a prehistorical is like there was a book that uh, Julie Davis did a long time ago on her Forgotten Classics podcast called The Wonder Stick, and that was it was like it's like cavemen basically right you've got cavemen and they're you know discovering fire quest for fire is basically Neat. the idea except in this case um it's a it's like a boy who he's like he's a little bit different from everybody yeah. else he's the ugly duckling right oh it's because he's a homo sapiens sapiens <laughs> instead of like homo erectus or whatever and uh, he he invents um, basically a bunch of techn- technologies, but his his best one is the wonder stick, which is a bow. So he can you know put an arrow on a, a bow and he pulls it back and they'll wow he can kill stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's That's amazed, neat. but it had to be invented, right? right? So when did when did that invention take place? Is lost to history. But this is a story about that sort right. of thing, and you know. Um, Jack London's done some prehistoricals. Maybe that's where we should that might look. Be a good one. I don't. I haven't read them. Yeah, they're they're um, serialized too. I think they're like um, one, two, three, four, five, six stories or something like that, and they're quite short. Wow. So maybe that'd be the way to go. It's um, it's it's a kind of a weird forgotten genre, but it's it's a part of science fiction, and it it is real SF because it is about tech and in. Going into you know the effect that it has yeah, on real people. thought experiment kind of things like, um, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah, but it, it it it's it's looking like it's looking backwards at a tech that we already have in a way that you know steampunk is not 
because we look backwards at the tech and then we turn this, you know, train into a, a sky train yeah. or something, right? And that's not really, that's not, is playing with technology in a way that's more like fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, William Gibson's sort of SF is looking at what the future will be like. This is looking at what the past might have yeah. been like. And I think that's is a kind of a cool way of looking at things. Hmm. So um, before we, we wrap, if we're going to shortly, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, there is a new audiobook out from uh, Mr. Jim Moon at the Hypnobob's podcast. Um, it's called A Quarter to Fear. Uh, it's a collection of public domain stories that he's he's assembled into a uh, great little audiobook with um, notes. He He's a good guy for researching the hell out of everything and he he does he's got like footnotes for every story he talks about he's got an introduction he's got talks about each story why it's in the collection beautiful art he's a great artist and um, i was listening to that and loving it i've heard some of the stories before because um, i've heard his podcast from the beginning a couple of them are not brand new to the audiobook but very very good collection i bought that can you believe it i bought some (laughs) And speaking of things I bought, uh, first time ever, I bought a subscription to a podcast that is one of those podcasts that aren't free. Hmm. There's not very many out there that are, that I know of that are, you know, pay for play. They're almost all free, but uh, one that I didn't really want to, (laughs) I didn't really want to buy, but I really had to. Because um, it's the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. And th- for the first, I don't know, 100 episodes or so, they they released it as a free mm-hmm. show. And then um, after they finished, they ran out of Lovecraft stories <laughs> to talk about and Lovecraft novels. They uh, started doing other stuff um, based on uh, supernatural horror and literature, which is a Lovecraft essay. They went through that looking at all the things that he he was saying was, you know, great in fantasy and horror. And uh, what they do is they release uh, one show a month free. Mm-hmm. And then each of the other ones is a sample. And I saw, okay, well, I'll just live with a free one. I'll just take the one. And then I saw, oh, damn, they're doing a, a Guy de Montpessant month. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, and I thought, oh, they're doing episodes of shows that I, are stories that I really like. I want to hear the talk about it. So I had to pony up the $6.66 that they're asking for for three months subscription. That's not too bad. No, it's like two twenty-two a month, for yeah. a month. Right. And you get like maybe four episodes a month. So really, it's a, it's a sure. good deal. But I just... I, it had to be like Guillaume Alphonse. <laughs> if it wasn't that, I wouldn't have signed yeah. up. So I don't. I don't even know how many other ones exist. I know that they have existed in the past. Um, Sonic Gold was a spinoff of Sonic Society uh, that was a premium subscription. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how many others existed. I thought it would be like um, never happened that that it would take off. But uh, they seem to be doing okay. They, they do have subscribers, and I think their model of giving one away free keeps people subscribed, makes them think, oh, maybe I'll do it this yeah, month and eventually yeah, do. And for my $6.66, I got a whole bunch of back issues, so 
back episode, so I, I'm I'm pleased. Yeah, you can't beat that. That's great. Yeah. Um, so Jenny, do you wanted to talk about the um, real quick about the um, Audible end of year? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're wrapping right. up the year, so it's it's award season and, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, we have both just the Audible editor picks and then also the Audi Awards that we both have. Right. Um, I was interested. Uh, let me find my link to that. I'm sorry, I thought I had it open. The top pick of the year was a Stephen King title, which is kind of in our world for Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, which is, of course, the sequel kind of to The Shining. Um, I knew a lot of people that read or listened to this book this year, so not too surprising, I guess. Yeah, it was it was relatively recent, mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah, I think November. Like a month or two yeah. ago, yeah. Um, and so then they had other categories that were related. They have a fantasy category, a science fiction category, and Z is for zombies. <laughs> Apparently there are so many zombie audiobooks that it's it they separate its own category. Let's let's check out fantasies mm-hmm. and see if there's anything we must listen to in here. Well, I've read The Gollum and the Genie. And I've heard that the audio is fantastic and the book it's is George really Vidal. good. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. The oh, book nice. is really good, but it's not, I'm not sure I would call it, I mean, it is fantasy, but it's billed more as a literary novel. It's long. Uh-huh. I reviewed it for um, SFF Audio. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't say enough good things about it. If you've read Neil Gaiman's American Gods, um, it's a similar uh, concept to that. It's, oh, it's got the same yeah, yeah, exactly. Too. I mean, it's almost kind of a microcosm of that because you're dealing with um, a golem who, in in Jewish tradition, is sort of a creature made of clay, who you know ends up mm-hmm. in New York City, and uh, a genie who gets you know imprisoned in a in a tin tin pot, and a blacksmith who's mm-hmm. kind of touching up the pot um, frees him. So these two kind of mythical creatures end up in you know, late 19th century Ellis Island, New York. Um, and yeah, I mean it's it's literary without being pretentiously literary. So you know, I I really she, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and she captures that world really well. The that New York era, you know, it's in the book yeah. very much. So it's a great one. I'd recommend that. And I know that um, Julie Davis has been enjoying these Larry Correa books, if that's how you say his name, the Grimoire Chronicles, and one of those mm-hmm. is on here. Those are fun. Um, and read by Bronson. Yeah, he's always so good. great. <laughs> did anybody read The Ocean at the I End did. of the Lane? Yeah. I also and reviewed the, it for SFF <laughs> Audio. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. You know, Neil Gaiman I, is such a good reader. He's he like a, a good... Um, it's nice and short, too. It's like... Yeah, it's I think we called that a Jesse in the last new release podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the right length. I, I'm reading uh, in school again with my students. I'm reading... Um, Coraline. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, as I'm reading through, and I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, it's, it's not my favorite of his, but there's a lot of there good is, stuff yeah. in it, and um, it's also a lot. I was thinking about how much there would be to talk about in there, just like uh, the symbol, the symbolism that he puts in, and the reactions that the kid has to what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's kind of Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe with horror. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of a kind of a cool book. It might be worth thinking about as a. We should do a Neil Gaiman oh, yeah, show. We should. That's a great idea. Um. So that's fantasy, science fiction, Ender's Game Alive. Now this is the one that everybody's talking mm-hmm. about. That we even got a request to do a review on it. Um. And it's 
kind of audio drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how come we aren't listening to it? <laughs> That's a good question. We, we probably should be, yeah. I guess. I, 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 I really like the original version that I heard that I did a review of. I guess I, I didn't feel I needed to do this. Yeah. And the other book on this list that I haven't gotten to yet but mean to is Dust. Um, mm. I haven't yet. Book three of the Hugh Howie Silo yeah, series. Yeah, I haven't read the second one yet, so I'm behind. But I I loved um, Wool so much. It's a really good book. I just picked up the uh, Wool Omnibus on Audible. I've not read Wool. Mm-hmm. But um, it's like you get to the end of that first story and you just can't put it down after that. <laughs> it seems a little bit like the John Scalzi phenomenon to me, the Hugh Howie thing. I haven't read Hugh Howie, so I don't know, but it seems like the the way people love his his book Wool is kind of like the way people love the uh, the what's the first of the Human League or whatever. Oh the, yeah, the, the book Human the Division. Yeah, uh, yeah, the first of that series, but uh, Old Man's mm-hmm. War. Oh. See, I've never read that, that one, so I'm not really sure. Okay, but of course, this the the Silo Saga fits very nicely into my post apocalyptic. Mm. Yeah, grouping. <laughs> the other thing that's good on here, well, I'm not personally a big military science fiction fan, but I did read the first Jack Campbell Lost Fleet book, and um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. Um, he's very meticulous, um, and in his writings, he's mentioned that he based at least the original Lost Fleet series off this idea of the long retreat. Like, you know, you're, we've lost a war. There's no way we can win. But how do we, you know, get home or? or get safe while minimizing casualties. And so there's, there's that concept going on. And and it's just for, again, for military science fiction, which is a genre I don't read heavily. I really enjoyed it. So I'm not familiar with this. This is kind of a spinoff series of the lost fleet. Um, but Hmm. if, if my previous reading with him is any indication, I I definitely like him a lot. I think we should talk about the zombies, even though I'm not as huge zombie fan. I think, I think we're missing something because <laughs> I'm looking at the the number one one, the best of zombies. It's called Zombie Fallout Seven uh, for the Fallen I'm, by Mark Tufo. Okay, <laughs> but look at the number of reviews. Um, the like positive reviews, two hundred twenty one, all five star wow. reviews. Two hundred fourteen performance reviews, five star. Story reviews, five star, 216. Like, no wonder. <laughs> this and the, like, apparently we're missing something. I guess something so, yeah. And scrolling down, you see, and this is not the first book in a series either. This is some something in a series because it says Mike is back. Well, who's Mike? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not privy to this, but Zombie Fallout 7, I believe this is, this is the seventh book. Wow. Isn't that, like, we are, out of the loop. Yeah, guys. I mean, the Peter Klein's. I actually picked up the first book in that series. I have not started it yet, but I read um, Peter Klein's is fourteen, which uh, is on the Audi's best science fiction fantasy for the year. Um, I mean, fourteen. We were talking about Lovecraftian takes on Lovecraftian stories earlier, and it's actually a fantastic one. But uh, anyway, mm. this Peter Klein's series is apparently a um, superhero slash zombies washed up superheroes slash zombies. Uh, mashup. So the first one I believe is called X Heroes, and I've picked that up recently, but I haven't started it yet. Yeah, that's uh, that's listed there as the 
the zombie books. But yeah, I mean, I, I expect World War Z to do sure. well. You know, I mean, that makes sense. But this this Mark Tufo book, I mean, how <laughs> how are uh, how are we so far out of the loop? It's like urban fantasy. Uh, we don't get it. We don't get zombies like this. At least I don't. Well, it's this I whole dichotomy. <laughs> I guess even within the SFF world, there's this dichotomy. So, like, I listen to the New York Times uh, book review podcast, and I'm mm-hmm. always, you know, marvel at the disconnect that I feel between any of the literary books they talk about on that podcast and anything at all I'm interested in. So, you know, I, I wonder mm-hmm. if there's even within the SFF world, which is, you know, supposedly more egalitarian, I guess, you know, I guess we have our own um, elitist um, leanings and, <laughs> and stuff. I guess. Um, in the uh, celebrity narrations, uh, Kate Winslet's book is there, the uh, Matilda, uh, Jenny. I thought you would get a kick out of that. That's one of the nominees for Best Celebrity Narrator. Uh, it was fantastic. I listened to it. I would. Well, I wouldn't bet. I, I can't imagine it wouldn't She's be. so good. It's, um, it's, uh, it's interesting the number of nominees is different for each category. I don't know what that means. Is the number of voters different, or well, it seems like they have so one winner and four runner-ups, right? Um. Well, I'm looking on editors' picks, and it, there's 18 results. Oh. Hmm. Best of 2013. There's 18 results, and and not a lot of ones I recognize. Armistead Mop and the Golem and the Genie uh, is getting all sorts of different category um, love. Yeah, because right. it's a debut. It's in the too. debut. It's in the debut. It's also in the editor pick. So that that seems like a popular. Yeah, one. the author. I've I've had contact with the author on Twitter a little bit. She's um, Helen okay. Becker. She's really neat. Um, so, <laughs> weird story. Starbucks did this um thing where you can tweet someone a coffee. Um, huh. And it's basically a five dollar gift card that's transferred over Twitter. So I was like, I want to try this out. Who do I? So I, I sent it to her just because you know I really enjoyed the book. I think she was wow. pretty surprised. That is that is surprising. And this is where we should say that um Reading Envy is my Twitter handle name and I'm <laughs> available for coffee. <laughs> well, Christmas is around the corner, so <laughs> So I was looking at the Audi because the other thing we were talking about is the Audi list. And do we know when that came out? Um I, when I did a search for your list, uh the editor's list, that came out, so I'm guessing it's Everything comes out this month, right? It's December is the month with everything's nomination, I believe. Okay. So I, I'm not sure. No. <laughs> is there anything on there that we we must absolutely? Well, talk I'm about? just wondering because I looked it up in Wikipedia and it said that those are announced in January. So I think we're looking at last year's. Oh, list. you look at something yeah. old. Okay. Because some of the books oh, on there are kind of older. Oh yeah, well that's very possible. But they're probably still good. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's nice that they yeah. have awards just for audiobooks. It is. It, it 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 looks more like from what I've seen on Twitter, it looks like they treat it like the Oscars. You know, like they've got people dressed yeah. up, and they actually go. You know, they attend. Red carpet at the Audis. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of surprising. Oh my gosh, did you see Catherine Kellgren's dress? Can you believe she's wearing that? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess we're done. Yes, so we're talking about fast audiobook fashion. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. 
please join us at www.sffaudio.com.